Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You look good. You smell good. It's also important, isn't it? Hey, I'm Pastor Kevin. I'm super glad you decided to start your year off with perfect church attendance so far in 2020. Yeah, I think you should just give yourself a hand. So. <laughs> Some of you are like, wait a minute. I want to welcome everybody watching us online, Facebook Live, Family Venue from our Harvest Mobile website. Super glad you're here. And uh, we always like to welcome our e-members as well. So today we are starting a brand new sermon series called Altars. How many altars will alter your life? That's right. So as your pastor, I want to share a few things today that I want to plant some seeds. I have a vision for your life. You might think, wait a minute, am I not supposed to have a vision for my own life? Yes. But as your pastor, I have a vision for your life. For starters, I want to pastor the most spiritually mature congregation on the Gulf Coast. How many think that's a good goal? for a pastor to have, right? So I want to see you grow and and develop. And number two is I'm believing that this year, 2020 vision, baby, this year, that you're going to have a spiritually healthy year. Spiritual health, I believe, is the key to every other health. And what I mean by that is Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you like his will to be done in your life like it is in heaven? So when God comes into a place, he brings heaven with him. I said heaven, not Kevin. I can't go everywhere with him. But but when heaven comes, it's his peace. I mean, God brings peace with him. When you're in God's presence, you're in God's peace. And peace means shalom. It means nothing broken. I know he mends broken things. Nothing hurting, he heals hurting things. Wholeness. When something's missing, he brings that missing piece. Completely whole, completely happy, he brings his blessing. So when God comes into a place, he brings his presence, he brings his peace, he brings his protection. So I'm believing for you this year to have a year of his peace and a year of his protection. No calamities no misfortune. They, well, how, how's that possible? It's, it's possible when you're led by the Spirit of God, He directs your steps. And how many of sometimes He'll direct you around, around landmines. So His peace, His provision, or his, his protection and His provision. How many well, will take a little bit of all that in your life this year? Some spiritual health. So I'm believing with you for spiritual health this year. Having God's presence tangible presence in your life. So wherever you go, his presence is there. I mean, that will limit some places that you go, by the way. (laughs) I'm believing with you for, I have a vision for financial health for you. Say, what does that mean? Well, it can mean, I I want you to have at least $1,000 in your savings account. Pastor, I don't have a savings account. Okay, let's start there. I'm believing for you to have a savings account and to have some money in it. So if you got $2.50, I'm believing with you to have a thousand bucks. Say, well, I already have that. Well, I'm believing for you to have five thousand bucks in your savings account. We already have that. Well, then you're the ten thousand dollar guy. We already have that. Well, just add a zero. I'm believing for you to have more margin in your life than you currently have financially. So that means that we're going to be better stewards. That might even mean we got to. Use the B word, budget. 
have to get our budgeting gear, right? Have to exercise better stewardship so that we can exercise greater generosity. So I'm believing for you to have money in your savings account, for you to fully fund your Roth IRA this year or whatever IRA you believe in, whether it's cash in a coffee can under the, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. There are some that work better than that, but I want you to, you say, well, I don't have a, a retirement plan. Well, that would, that's my vision for you is that you get one, not that you're going to retire because you know, that word's not in the Hebrew language. Did you know that? Three words, not in the Hebrew language, fair, adolescence, and retire. Say, well, that's not fair. <laughs> All right. So, uh, my vision is for you is that you would be able to be the generous person that you want to be. How many of you want to be generous? You want to be a giver. You want to, you know, be liberal. I was at the grocery store a couple nights ago, and my wife and I were, were checking out. There was a little girl behind us, and, and as I was leaving, I just stopped, and I said, hey, Happy New Year. She goes, thank you. How's your year going so far? She goes, well, you know, it was like January the 2nd. She goes, so far, so good. I said, when's the last time somebody did something nice for you? She goes, I don't know. She goes, maybe couple months ago. I'm like, well, that's way too long. So I'm going to do something nice for you. I'm going to buy your groceries. She said, what? And it's only like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks or something like that. <clears throat> but it was just unexpected. I said, now this is a foreshadow of the kind of year you're going to have. She's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. She like followed us out in the parking lot thanking us. But how many of you know, that's just fun, right? So how would you like to just, it'd be easy for you to pay off somebody else's house just as easy as it was for me to pay for that little girl's 20 bucks for groceries. Wouldn't that be fun? Well, that's my vision for you. And that you would be a tither to your local church. <laughs> All right, good. Whew. In other words, that you would live out of abundance. That you would live off the top of the barrel, not scraping the bottom of the barrel. Does that sound good to anybody? All right. And relationally, that you would be healthy. Uh, that your family and your friends would be good godly relationships not toxic relationships no no drama in 2020 anybody ready for a drama free year <laughs> yeah not even drama with your mama just just no drama drama free drama free year in Jesus name right no bitterness no divorce no no anger no going from 0 to 60 emotionally you know and, you know just that bringing the stress level down <laughs> bring it down Amen. But I want to tell you that none of that's going to happen unless you build into your life the power habit of meeting with God on a regular basis. And, and not only spiritual health, relational health, financial health, but there's other things that God wants to happen in your life. Jesus called it abundant life. And that is his will for you is abundant life. And, but it's not going to, you're not going to walk in that unless you walk with him. So that's what we're going to talk about today and moving forward for the rest of this series. Basically, what I'm describing is Matthew 6, where Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your rightness, but his righteousness. I mean, you don't have to be right all the time because you're not. <laughs> Say, Pastor, you're wrong. No. But you don't have to be right all the time because none of us are. Like that guy goes, oh, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. So we're, nobody's right all the time, but his, not your rightness, but his righteousness. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will just be added to you, right? So how do you have a God-first life? Because whatever you put first sets the order for everything else in your life. Now, 
Everybody say power habit. So over the next few weeks, we're going to go on a journey together. And in this journey, we're going to discover how to have the kind of life that God wants you to have and, and really the kind of life that you want to have. His, his plan for your life is really good, good by the way. Um, and, and I want to show you and teach you some practical things to have the life that you want. Say, is that even biblical? Can I have the life that I want? Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why, why don't you want? Because you have what you want. I mean, don't you want abundant life? Well, that's the very thing that Jesus came to give back to mankind is abundant life. That's just life that works. Not a dysfunctional life, a functional life. Anybody ready to get over your dysfunction? How many of you brought somebody that you're ready for them to get over their dysfunction? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But success leaves clues, doesn't it? And if you want what someone else has, you can do what they did and you can get what they got. Not specifically what they have. I'm talking about their results. I'm not talking about being covetousness. I'm talking about learning from someone else's success. So you can, the clues to their success are left or preserved in their story. And you can follow that example. For example, if you want to be healthy, you can look at a healthy man and you can learn and discover what he did. And then you can, you can have a measure of health in your own life. So, um, so for example, I'm trying to, uh, before I get too old, I want to see my six pack abs one more time. I know they're down there. I'm looking for them. I haven't found them yet, but, but I'm, I'm looking, I'm studying after some other people that have six pack abs, trying to do what they did, you know, so I can, one more, one more time. I just want to tell them bye <laughs> so, before it gets too late. You know, so it's good to see you again. I knew you were in there. Just get together. But my point being is that if you're sickly, you can learn to do what a healthy person did and you can become healthy. If you, you can find out what a wealthy woman did to become wealthy and do what she did, and you can have similar results in your life because success leaves clues. And you can follow the, the, uh, the, the, the what is it, the crumbs, the, follow the, what, how do you say that? The breadcrumbs, thank you. Follow the breadcrumbs, the trail, and you can pick up clues and begin to implement them into your life, and you can begin to see similar results. If you want a great marriage, then you find somebody that has a great marriage, and you model yours after theirs. See what I'm saying? Success leads to... Because principles are no respecter of persons. Principles, they don't care what color you are. They don't care how crazy your family was that you came from. They don't care what language you speak. They don't care what your annual income is. Principles are no respecter of persons. That's really good news. Now, say, well, I want to be closer to God. All right, so you find somebody who's close to God, and you learn what they do or learn what they did, and you start doing that. Now, there's a guy in the Bible that we're going to study. His name is Abraham. He's called the father of our faith, and, the, and he's the only person in the Bible that's called the friend of God. Now, if you want to be God's friend, then study Abraham and do what Abraham did. Because uh, Abraham, he, he started off, he was just a godless pagan. He was. He was an idol worshiper at best. And, but God came and promised him a different, better life. He said, hey, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have a land I'm going to give you. It's called the promised land. It flows with milk and honey. I'm going to give it to you and your kids and your descendants. It's going to bless every nation on the planet. Uh, and here's the better life that I'm offering to you. Now, you can stay where you are in the land of Ur. Or you can pursue this better life that I have for you. Now, here's the long story short is that Adam, I'm sorry, Abraham became a successful businessman. In fact, the Bible says that he was not rich. He was very rich. How many of you know when God throws a very in there, it's kind of like, woo, man. All right. That would be like modern day billionaires. That was Abraham. He became a happy family man, a blessed family man. He wanted kids. He had kids. He became closely acquainted, intimately acquainted with God himself. He became the friend of God. But having all that, having that kind of life was a journey. So here's my invitation to you. Abraham's life was transformed and your life can be transformed. Your future can be better so that you can go further faster. And so over the next few weeks, as we get into this series, I'm just going to introduce it today. But my invitation to you is don't miss any Sunday in this series. Because I want you to pick up all the clues so that you can have an altered life. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 11. That's where we're going to start today. Genesis 11:27. So before we get into looking at how Abraham was, had a successful life... We first have to kind of look at where he came from, because I want you to know something, because you might be thinking, well, I can't have a better future because of the family that I come from. My family tree is full of fruits and nuts. I'm going to show you Abraham's family, because Abraham had a highly dysfunctional family. He had a tragedy that happened, and that tragedy caused their family to get stuck. Here it is, Genesis 11:27. This is the account of Terah's family, his family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. These are three boys, my three sons. Verse 28. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in the Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Now, how many know that parents are supposed to live longer than their kids? So this was a tragedy that happened. I mean, in fact, this may be among the worst tragedies that can happen to anybody, is losing a child. Do you agree? And if that has happened to you, I'm so sorry. And though that might be that what, something that's happened to you, or maybe some other tragedies happened to you, I'm going to tell you today how to get past your past, whatever it might be. So, verse 29, Abram and Nahor both married the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. How many know God will take an area of your life where you have no ability, and he'll give you ability, supernatural ability? Verse 31, Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, <clears throat> the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. So he had a vision in his heart to go to this promised land. And so they set out, they struck out together. It was a family journey. But when they came to Haran, now does that name sound familiar? 
Haran was the name of his son that died. Now, I don't know if as they were traveling, they set camp up one day, and one day his dad said, you know, I'm going to name this place after my son. Or if they got there and it was already named that, and it struck a sentimental chord in him, and he, he was so sentimental and so stuck and grieving about what happened in his past that he just stayed there. And the Bible says, it says, they settled there. Now, I'm going to ask you to be really honest with yourself about this question. Because, you know, the person that we lie to the most is the person that we look at in the mirror. So I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself with this next question, okay? You don't have to answer it out loud, but be honest with yourself. Because if you're not honest with yourself, you are going to stay stuck where you are. Have you settled in some area of your life? Maybe something bad happened, and you got stuck there. Now listen, like the great philosopher Forrest Gump said, crap happens. Does it, can I get a witness? Anybody? If you've been alive more than like three months, something negative has happened to you. And life is no respecter of persons. It happens to us all, doesn't it? Christian, non-Christian, pagan, atheist, black, white, yellow, green. I mean, just stuff happens, does it not? So a Christian life is not a promise that nothing's going to happen, but it is the ability and the strength to navigate what happens because of, God is with us. <clears throat> so have you, have you gotten stuck somewhere because life happened to you? Maybe you're thinking, you know what? This is my earning capacity. This is just, I've tried I've put in for the raise, I've, whatever, I've gone to furthering education, but I'm just stuck at $38,000 a year, or just pick your number. No, you, you've settled. You don't have to settle for that income. Well, you know what? My wife and I, or my spouse and I, we're not divorced. Now, we're not crazy in love, but at least we're together, and, you know, we, we've learned to coexist. Okay, you have settled. Can I just tell you, there's a better way to be married I've been happily married for over 24 years to the same woman. I know mean, 24 out of 26 ain't bad. <clears throat> so what do you do during those 18 to 24 months that it ain't good? You don't look for a way out. You look for a way through. You make a decision. This is not what I want. This is what I want. So how do I get that? You find somebody that's got what you got and you do what they did. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to be stuck in a passionless marriage, in a dead-end job. Well, you know what? I'm just, I'm just stuck. I've had, I've had this addiction since I was in college. And if I hadn't broken this habit by now, I'm just not going to. No, 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 no. You've settled. But you don't have to. There's a better way to live. So here's what I want you to know is that until you deal with the pain of yesterday, you're not going to step into the promise of tomorrow. And that's what happened to Terah. He got to Haran, and he settled there. You know, this is good enough. And, if, and, and hey, good enough is good enough for you, then good enough. But I want you to know there's something better. Now, I'm not trying to tempt you with covetousness or to be discontented. I want you to be contented with your life, but I want you to know that you've not tapped into your potential yet. And your potential is held captive by your beliefs. And that's what I want to stir up today is your, your ability to believe. 
I, I, I keep thinking this. So I'm, I, this I didn't do this in the first service, but uh, I see Miss Deborah here, and she's been in our church for a long, long time. I'm so proud of her. And several months ago, I decided to do a little experiment. She didn't know I was doing this, and she's finding out right now. <clears throat> but she came up to me, and she goes, Pastor, I'm not asking you for anything. Would you just pray for me? I just need to keep the lights on, or whatever it was, you know. And, um, and so I said, Miss Deborah, what do you, what do you want? I just want you to pray for me. I said, no, 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 no. I want you to, I got a homework assignment for you. Will you do it? And she said, well, I will if it's easy. <laughs> I said, okay, it's easy. It's, not, it's simple. I don't know if it's easy, but it's simple. I want you to write down five goals. It can be more, but at least five things that you want. Five goals. I want you to bring those back to me. So she, her will started, she said, okay. Hmm. I don't know what that is, but I'll, I'll think about it and come back. Well, anyway, I, we hadn't talked for several, a couple of months and, I, and you're probably finding this out too, but her son, Gary, who's grown up in our church, he sang this morning. He came to me and I said, hey, how's your mom doing? He goes, something's up with my mama. I said, what do you mean? He goes, she's acting different. I said, how so? He goes, all right. I don't mean this to be embarrassing. I mean this to be an encouragement and a praise. So I want you to all to receive it that way. He said, well, she's lost like 25 pounds or more. I don't know how much. 30 pounds. She's wearing makeup, she's dressing nice, and the house is clean. <laughs> I said, wow. And he said, I don't know what's going on with her. And so, and then I caught Miss Deborah out in the hallway, and she said, I said, what's going on with you, Miss Deborah? You look good. She goes, I, I did what you told me to do. I wrote down those five things that I wanted. And then I thought, well, if I want this, then I need to do something different to get it. And, and she's, doing, she's doing it. Can we just give her a hand? I just, uh, proud of you, proud of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo, woo, woo. <clears throat> Fellas, she's single, so. <laughs> My point being is, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get what you want, and she might not want that. But anyway, you're not gonna get what you want until you decide what you want. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not. Mm-hmm. So, but until you deal with the pain of your past, you're not gonna step in to the power of the promise that he's given you for your future. And we can help you with that. If something bad happened to you, I'm sorry. And, and, and I'm not belittling that at all. In fact, I know that that's how the enemy tries to dis derail us and get us off track. He sets things up to, to happen. Whether you got you developed an addiction or you got raped or you were abused or that teacher talked down to you, we've all had stuff happen to us in our past that's impacted how we behave now in our, in our present. But we can help you get past your past if you'll sign up for one of our Freedom Small Groups. That's what they're designed for. Not to embarrass you. It's very, they're not bringing all your junk out into the open. That's between you and God. But we can help you walk through it so that you can heal from your past so that you can grow into your tomorrow, that better life, that promised land that God has for you. Okay? Now, as a matter of fact, Genesis 11.32 says this. Terah lived 205 years. I mean, that's a long time to be stuck. 205 years, he was stuck. He lived 205 years, and he died. Where did he die? In the place he got stuck. I know mean, you can't move into your promised land until the old man dies. And when he died, then I want you to see what happened in chapter 12, verse 1. It says that now the Lord spoke to Abram. I mean, you know, God can't talk to you about your future until something dies. Amen. Here's the sermon in the sentence. 
If you're taking notes, write this down. And this is really the whole sermon series in a sentence, but we're going to expand on this. Until some things die, other things can't live. Until some things die, other things like your dream and your vision, your goals, they can't live. So the question is, are you stuck somewhere? And if so, what needs to die? So how does it die? Well, you can either wait 205 years for it to die of old age, come back next week, and we're going to talk about how you can kill it. So tomorrow, we begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do this every year. Think, why? So that the things that need to die can die, so that the things that need to live can live. That's why we do that. And it's not like, uh, like one guy, he goes, well, I'm going to fast broccoli. Well, he don't eat broccoli anyway, so that ain't a fast. <laughs> then God spoke to Abram. And he said, get out of your country and away from your family and from your father's house. Get away from that stuck place to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Everybody say, he will. He will. See, until you know God's will, you can't have faith or belief for it. I want you, so I want you to, will you repeat after me? Y'all trust me, don't you? Do you trust me? Okay. I'm, I'm a preacher. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I don't know if I trust you or not. No. All right. I want you to say this after me, okay? Say, God's, God wills, God wills to, make me great. to make me great. Say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, he, he willed to make Abraham great. Yeah, but he's the father of our faith. Well, why did Jesus come? That the blessing of Abraham may come on all of us. And part of that is becoming great. So God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Did you know that God wills to bless you? I knew it. Y'all are one of them prosperity churches. As opposed to poverty church? Well, I thought you're supposed to take a vow of poverty. Jesus became poor that I might be made rich. A vow of poverty is from the devil. That's a satanic deception. What about people that have taken a vow of poverty? Well, when's the last time they bought you dinner? God said, I will bless you. That's God's will, to bless you and to make you great, to make your name great. And you will be a blessing. God's will is for you not just to be blessed, but to be a blessing. blessing. That's what God wants for you. How often we, we, don't, we, don't, we choose not to believe it or we struggle with it. We go, no, not me. I'm just happy to be here. I'm just surviving. Well, you can survive if you want to, or you can change your mind and you can thrive. I'll bless you, make you a blessing, and, and, and I'll bless those that bless you. And I'll curse him who curses you. And in your family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Uh-oh. Now, later in this series, we're going to talk about, because God said, get away from your family. But Lot just went with him. So we're going to talk later in this series about what's your lot in life. <laughs> okay. So... And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That was the stuck place. So you're not too old to get unstuck. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. And Abram took Sarai, his wife. So you need to take your wife with you, your spouse with you. 
Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and all the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan, the promised land. So they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. Now, I wish I had time to preach on this, but this tree in this place is a type and shadow of the church in the New Testament. Why is that? Because it's a place of of informing and instructing. And it was also named after, I guess, a famous archer. Cupid, draw back your bow. Remember that song? I don't know why that just came to my mind. But anyway, um, but, but here's how that means. That's how it represents a church. How many of you, at the church, you get informed that Christ would be formed in you. You get instructed in the ways of righteousness and you get drawn, you get stretched, you get drawn back. Why? Because my job as your pastor is to launch you out into this community to be Jesus to Mobile so that we can make it hard to go to hell for Mobile, right? So we can be a light in the darkness of our city. So this place represents the local church. And the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, now how many know God's not going to talk to you until you get to that place you're supposed to be? There is a geographic connection to you hearing the voice of God. So this totally blows a a hole in you get to decide where you go to church. (laughs) All right. I I didn't expect any amens. But anyway, um, (laughs) I'll explain. How many know Jesus is our Lord? Right? So if you're the Lord, you're the boss, and you get to make all the decisions, right? So we're led by the Spirit of God. So you need to be led where you go to church. I don't preach at the choir because y'all are here, right? But here's the point is, well, I'm not going to that church anymore. They just don't meet my needs. Uh, okay, well, what if it's not your decision? Because <laughs> you're not the Lord of your life, are you? I'm just going to keep moving. To your descendants, I will give this land. And there, Abram built an altar. Everybody say there. there. He built an altar to the Lord. Verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going toward the south. Ooh, hallelujah. Thank God for the south. So here's a worldly principle. Here's a worldly success principle. Decide the kind of life that you want and say no to everything else. And while I don't disagree with that, I want to tell you a better way or even a higher principle that's a kingdom principle, and that is this. I want you to discover the kind of life that Jesus came to give you and say yes to that. So isn't that the same thing? Nah, Almost. So how do I do that, Pastor? How do I decide I want abundant life and say yes to that? Altars. Altars will alter your life. You can't change your past, but you can bring it to the altar. What is an altar? They are a place of worship. It's a place of worship. So you've got to have a place where you consistently meet with God in your life. In your home. Anybody in the Old Testament who did anything for God built an altar. And they put something precious on the altar. Because you got to realize something. I'm encouraging you to build an altar in your life. But once you build an altar, guess what happens? God comes. And then he tells you what he wants you to put on it. And it's not broccoli. (laughs) He wants you to put something precious on it. I hate to use this word in church on a Sunday morning, but it's called 
sacrifice. But if you build it, he will come. And when he comes, he brings with him his peace, his protection, and his provision. It's a really good deal. Several weeks ago, I was in central India. I was waking up one morning. You know how, like, you're not really awake, but you're not asleep? I don't know what they call that. I just call it pre-coffee, but anyway. (laughs) But I was in that, so I was kind of waking up. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And he said, Kevin, I will give you anything you want. I thought, ooh, that's a good word. I'm gonna, I woke up. I'm going to write that down before you change your mind, Lord. And date it. And I have it dated in my journal. And as I started to write, I, Kevin, I will give you anything you want. And then the Lord kept speaking. He says, if. I was like, ooh, this is conditional. If, if what? Kevin, I'll give you anything you want if you give me anything I want. So what do you want? Tell the Lord what you want, but guess what? You're opening the door for him to tell you what he wants. Build an altar. If you build it, he will come. And when he comes, he brings heaven with him. So can you think of any rooms in the home of your life that needs an altar built in it? You know, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears, I'll come in. And many of us, we've let Jesus into the foyer of our home. We've let him in just enough so we won't burn in hell. But there's other rooms we've closed off to him. Oh, don't go in there, Lord. There's a skeleton in that closet. How many of that he wants in the closet? What what would it look like if we built an altar to God in our kitchen? Because if you put something precious on the altar, what do you think it might be that, that you would put on that altar in your kitchen? Maybe your diet? Your plate? Gluttony? I mean, gluttony is still a sin. You don't ever hear anybody preach on it. But it's still one of the deadlies, isn't it? What about your living room? If you were to build an altar to God in your living room, what, what would you put on the altar? Your TV? And not just so you can see it better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> You're supposed to light it on fire. I'm metaphorically speaking, not, not literally, but... I don't know. It might be good for some of you to do that. I don't know. Maybe put Netflix on there. You know, we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting starting tomorrow. And, and I am I'm fasting sugar. I, have a, I don't have a sweet tooth. I have like sweet teeth. <laughs> My nickname at my house is the Cookie Monster. So I'm fasting sugar and anything with a screen. Unless it's a door, I guess. You know, but anyway. Or unless it involves a championship game. But I will give him that too if he wants it. But what's on your altar? I'm oh, sorry, that was a reference to a commercial. But Maybe, maybe if it, your altar was in the living room, you'd, he would ask you to put video games on it. Even just the one you got for Christmas. Maybe just for 21 days. Some things need to stay on the altar permanently and die. Because some things have to die so other things can live. If you built an altar at the gym, what would you put on it? Exercise. What about your bedroom? If you had an altar in there, what would you put on it? Oversleeping? Laziness? My number one goal for 2020 is don't roll over, roll out. No more rollover plan. I'm rolling out. What else could you put on your bedroom altar? Fornication? 
I wasn't expecting any amens there either, but I'll go ahead and tell you what that is. That's when you have sex with somebody you're not married to. Some things have to die so other things can live. Pornography, you can put that on there. Unfaithfulness to your spouse, even mentally. Then it all starts here. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, it all starts here. Right? It's mental. What about at the office? If you built an altar at the office, what would you put on that? Maybe overworking? Take a day off, man. Don't be a workaholic. Or underworking. Clocking, even though you got there 30 minutes late, you clock it in like you're on time. You're stealing from your company. Put that on the altar. What about the classroom? If that was, if you built an altar at school or, or if you're a teacher or a student, you could put unhealthy or un- unwholesome relationships on there. How about cheating? I remember I started cheating on my homework and stuff when I was in middle school. That's when I backslid. And then in 10th grade, I got right with God. And I remember the day I repented of cheating. There was this cute girl that sat next to me named Sharon. She had beautiful kind of auburn red hair. And, and uh, she always let me copy her homework in history class. And uh, I was thankful. But one day, she was passing me her work to copy before we had to turn it in. And, and the Holy Ghost said, turn or burn. Whoa. Quit cheating. I was like, what? I got convicted. I thought, I, I can't cheat anymore. And she said, here, just take it and copy it. I said, I can't do it. She goes, what do you mean you can't do it? I said, I just got convicted. The Lord told me I can't cheat no more. I need to repent for cheating. She said, you're weird. I said, yeah, that's what my mama tells me. It must be true. So I got, I got a zero on my homework that day. But I repented of cheating. I also repented of not doing my homework after that too. I got delivered from cheating. So what would you put on your altar? How about if you built an altar here at church? What would you put on there? Maybe a consumer mentality, put that on there instead of a contributor mentality. Maybe you would serve instead of being served, or you would give instead of just getting. What would you put on your church altar? Connect to a small group. Go through next steps. We do next steps after each service. You can go after this service. Say, what is that? That's when you learn how to connect to the local church and how the church can help you in your journey of faith. So altars... That's where God reveals himself to you, but but you've got to build it first. If you build it, he will come. And when he comes, when he shows up, how many know he changes stuff when he shows up? When you build an altar and he comes, that's when the lump disappears or the depression departs from your life. That's when the marriage is healed or the kids come back to Jesus or the prodigal son returns home. When he shows up, stuff changes. Come on, somebody. That's when the addiction is broken. That's when circumstances change. That's when debt is demolished. When he comes, he changes stuff because he brings heaven with him. But you've got to build that altar and it's not just something you got to observe that altar. you got to kneel at that altar. And you got to put on that altar what he's asking for. He'll give you anything you want if you'll give him anything he wants. Man, because how many know that you should have had a mental breakdown? But you didn't. Or if you did, you're recovered. Or you should have been divorced, but you're not. You're still together. Or you should have filed bankruptcy. Or your, your, your career should have ended. Or, or, or even if those things happen, how many know you don't have to stay stuck there? When he comes, he changes things. I mean, somebody ought to praise him right now because you're not, you don't have to be stuck anymore. You can move past your past and into your promised land, whatever your promised land is. Where's your altar? 
Where do you, where's the pastor, where should I build an altar? Where do you need God to show up in your life? Do you need him to show up in your marriage? Do you need him to show up in your finances? Do you need him to show up for your kids? Where do you need him to show up? Build an altar there. If you build it, he will come. Well, what if I need him to show up in 10 different places? He can be everywhere all at the same time. That's what I love about him. So, what step can you take to pick up the pace in the area where God is calling you to focus? Here's your, let's do, let's do a couple of things before we go. Three fast things. Number one, what three changes could you make that would be most pleasing to God right now? Go ahead, write them down. So, well, I don't know what they are. Yeah, you do. He's been dealing with you about this for a long time. I guarantee you, 99.9% of you, you don't have to think about it. What are the three changes in your life that you can make that would be most pleasing to God? You just got direction for your 21 days of prayer and fasting. So go ahead, write them down. Well, I don't know if I write them down, because if I write them down, I have to do them. You don't have to do anything. You really don't. You don't have to do anything. It's all your choice. That's the way God designed it. He gave you the ability to choose. He said, this is my will. I'm setting before you life and death. And he's like, choose life. Hint, hint. Not that one. No, 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 not that. This one, this one, this one. He's so good. Life and death. Choose life. It's your choice. So write them down. Those three things that would be most, three changes that would be most pleasing to God in your life. Is it something to do with your health? Is it something to do with your finances? How you use your finances? Is it something to do with a relationship? How many know that not everybody deserves to be a part of your life? <laughs> Let me read a verse to you. That's the second thing I want to do. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is in the message translation. This is so good. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, so here's what I want you to do. How many know what God wants you to do? You want to know what God wants you to do. Anybody? You want to know what God wants you to do? All right. He's about to tell you. Here's what I want you to do. And God's going to help you. Aren't you glad God helps us? He tells you what he wants you to do. Then he helps you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Why? Because how many of you become what you behold? If you fix your attention on God, you're going to start becoming like him. You become what you behold. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. That's God's will for your life. Isn't that good? Here's what I want to do before we go today. Whenever they built altars in the Old Testament... When they put something on the altar that God really liked, something cool happened. The fire of God would fall on that altar. So when you build an altar and you put something on it that God wants, his fire, his presence is coming to your life. Now, there's no greater altar that's ever been built than the cross of Jesus Christ. And the fire fell. On the day of Pentecost, the fire came. Today, I encourage you, put your life on that altar. Surrender your life to Jesus and let him fill you with his spirit and give you power to live this new life, this new and better life. Not not easier life, but a better life. So I want to pray the prayer of salvation today. It's not a magic formula, uh, but if you mean it when you pray it, 
he comes. It's like building an altar, and he comes. And he takes, and he sits on the throne of your heart, and he becomes the Lord of your life. And when he comes, he brings heaven with him. Would you bow your heads today? Father, I pray right now that by the Holy Spirit, you would convict people who don't know you. Or maybe people that have drifted away from you. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or or you're not right with God, you're not living as if he's your Lord, and you know it. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just sweetly and kindly convict you and draw you to the cross. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. I'm not going to make anybody stand up or walk forward. We don't believe in embarrassing people. But if you say, Pastor Kevin, please include me in this prayer. Would you just let me know who you are real quickly? Just slip in your hand. Let me see who you are real quick. All over this place right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God bless you. Anybody else? Eight. God bless you. Nine. God bless you. Anybody else? If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Harvest Church, can we pray with these eight or nine folks that raised their hand? If you're watching us online, over in the family venue, on Facebook Live, wherever you are, God is there with you. Let's pray right now. Say this with me, everybody. Say, dear God, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. I declare right now, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And from this moment forward, I am yours, and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, you just took an amazing first step. We welcome you to the family of God, and the Bible says when somebody prays that prayer, all of heaven throws a party and rejoices. Can we just rejoice a little bit today? If you prayed that prayer, we rejoice with you. Good job. Congratulations.